It's August 1st, 2007, and you're listening to the NACOcast, coming to you from Canada's National Arts Centre in Ottawa. My name is Christopher Millard. Well, education is a huge priority here at the National Arts Centre. Our music director, Pinka Sukuman, introduced the Summer Music Institute, which is now in its ninth year. During the 2006-2007 orchestra season, we've seen the introduction of a new advanced training program charged with developing highly talented musicians for orchestral careers. We're just finishing the pilot year of this Institute for Orchestral Studies, which we call the IOS, which we hope will become a year-round program. The IOS strives to provide a real-world workplace experience for students at a post-secondary or graduate level as they begin to enter orchestral careers. This year, students were invited to rehearse and perform with the NAC Orchestra in four orchestra programs. Between 2007 and June 2008, this will be expanded to six weeks. So, next season, five gifted young string players will join the orchestra in concerts conducted by Pinkus Zuckerman, Eric Kloss, Jun Merkel, and Yannick Nezet-Sagan, performing symphonies of Beethoven, Dvorak, Brahms, Bruckner, and Schumann. The young musicians will travel to Ottawa for week-long visits in September, October, February, May, and June. And while here, they will receive coaching from Pinkasukaman and members of the NAC Orchestra in both orchestral and chamber music idioms. The program is offered as a full scholarship and is funded by the NAC's Youth and Education Trust as well as contributions, very generous contributions, I may add, from a major donor, Mr. Richard Lee. To learn more about what this experience is like for the students, I've invited three of them to the NACOCAST studio today. So with me are violinist Wanhee Lee, Violist Mary Catherine Stevens and bassist Nick Bobas. Welcome, guys. Thanks. Hi. So, Mary Catherine, we're going to start with you. Where the heck are you from? Well, I'm from Guelph, Ontario, and uh, I grew up there. I was born in Chatham, but then I moved to Guelph when I was three, so that's my hometown. And you're studying now where? I'm living in Boston right now, studying at the New England Conservatory of Music. Okay. You did undergraduate or graduate work there? Um, Graduate. I just finished my graduate diploma, Mm -hmm. and I'll be going um, back next year for a master's degree. But I did my undergraduate um, program in Toronto at the Glen Gould School. What what age did you take up the viola? Um, I guess I started viola more regularly when I was in high school, so about 14. You were a violinist to begin with? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Nick? Double bass player. Where are you from? I'm from Ottawa. Oh, well, local boy makes low. Sure. Makes low notes. <laughs> <laughs> and you're still tuning in fourths, I hear. I'm still tuning in fourths. Uh, we'll yeah. get into that in a minute. All Where right. are you studying right now, Nick? I'm in Boston as well, but at Boston University. Okay. And how yeah. long have you been there? I just finished first year. I did my undergrad at McGill. Oh, ah, yeah. okay. Good. And Wanhee Lee, a violinist. You're from? I'm from Ottawa. And where are you studying? Um, I'm in Indiana ah. University. Out, out in the cold Indiana prairies, huh? Yes, awesome cornfields. Also awesome cornfields, <laughs> but a great school. Who's your teacher here? Um, Alex Carr. Great, and what year are you in? I just finished my freshman of undergrad. Freshman of undergrad, okay. Yes. Well, 
I guess we start out with you, Mary Catherine. To, we want really to know what your what your career aspirations are, and then we'll try to figure out what the heck the NAC Institute of Orchestral Studies is, is uh, what role it's playing in your life. What do you want to do in life? Um, I would love to be a member of a great orchestra like NACO here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really where I'm, you know, focusing my energy to uh, have an orchestral career myself. And, um, you know, I like playing in chamber music as well, but for a main thing, I'd like to be an orchestral musician full time. So you've come and you've spent uh, these uh, four or five week visits with us and very intense. How is performing in this orchestra different from performing in your school orchestra? After all, you're at New, New England Conservatory. It's a very good school with a very high level. Yeah. So describe to me the difference in, in environment. Well, it's pretty much to do with attitude, I guess. I mean, NEC is a great school, especially for strings. It's very strong, um, but often the focus isn't really on orchestral playing. There isn't an orchestral studies program at my school, so a lot of times I feel... You know, people aren't as enthusiastic about playing in orchestra as they could be. Um, but here, you know, the orchestra is great, and it's awesome to just come in and play and have it sound great from the beginning, and it's been really fun. Have you found in general uh, in your education that your string colleagues, your string student colleagues, are perhaps unrealistically focused on solo and chamber music repertoire? Um, I guess it depends. I didn't find that so much at my undergrad school I didn't feel like that was the focus there but um, definitely in Boston there's a strong focus on chamber music at my school and a lot of my colleagues are really going in that direction or solo direction mm-hmm. and I mean I think it's a little unrealistic sometimes but Wani, you're nodding your head up and down in response to that question <laughs> huh? um, there's not a lot of room for 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 violin soloists yeah there's far too many um, especially at my school because there's it's, a, it's such a huge school. How many violin uh, students are there at Indiana this year? Uh, I have no idea. Well, but take a wild guess. I don't know. There's enough for f- five full, like, orchestra. Five violin full orchestras worth, With, yeah. like, six or seven desks for each section. Wow. So, so we can safely assume that there's probably not going to be that many solo careers for all of those musicians. No. But we can assume that some of them will find their way into symphony orchestra. So I'm going to yeah. address the question to you. Uh, coming from Indiana, how has the, the what uh, Mary Catherine talked about the attitude at New England? How is the attitude about orchestral participation at Indiana? Um, I think it's pretty much the same, actually. I don't think people are too enthusiastic about orchestra. That was one of the really nice things about coming here, is that like you go from students who couldn't care less about mm-hmm. playing an orchestra to playing in an orchestra where people love doing this and have chosen it. You know their life and it I mean it shows you can feel a difference is a career in an orchestra your aspiration as well yeah yeah what about you Nick oh I'm gunning for that too yeah well <laughs> we have to recognize there's not a huge room for bass solos no there's about two in the world oh there's a few more than that but yeah so what, what's the attitude like at Boston University to the orchestral program um, what's the orchestra program at BU like? Yeah, and, and, and the general uh, commitment of the students. Well, we actually have a different emphasis at BU. There's a, instead of doing chamber, we have a bass orchestral rep class, which is put on by Ed Barker, principal bass of Boston Symphony. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we don't even really pretend that we're going to, you know, get involved <laughs> with too much chamber. We have, you know, only three or four pieces that we play. Mm-hmm. In, in the chamber setting. So mm-hmm. we do that week to week. And actually, 
the week before I came here, or two weeks before, the piece that we did in the class was Schubert, Great Symphony. Mm-hmm. So it was cool to actually, we worked on that for, I guess, two or three weeks, and to actually get to play it here. Yes, it was part of your program here. Yeah, yeah wonderful. it was a pretty neat experience for sure. Yeah, that's wonderful. So Mary Catherine, you talked about the pleasure of, of stepping into the National Arts Centre Orchestra and the preparation level being so immediate and the, the, mm-hmm. the achievements so immediate. Is Do you think that, that for you, that defines the major difference between a student and a professional orchestra? I guess so. And like Wani said, everybody here has chosen, you know, chosen to do this as their profession and that that's really nice. You know, it's like a good sense of community and... Um, to just come in and be part of that has been really wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I have to, it's some years ago, it's almost 35 years ago now when I first started my orchestral career, but I went to Curtis Institute, which at the time, I, I would have to say we had a wonderful student orchestra, but, you know, there were a lot of, of kids in the school at that time who really were going to have solo careers, mm-hmm. and many of them did. And I do remember my, my very first uh, day sitting in a professional orchestra and the sense of preparation was so evident. Yeah. And perhaps, do you agree, Nick? You're sure. not in your head. It's just that there's an expectation in professional oh, orchestra yeah. that you don't walk in and not know your notes. No, Absolutely. you need to know what's yeah. going on, for sure. Yeah. So uh, along that line, so as Nick, as you were preparing to, to come here for, the, for this first week, mm-hmm. um, what did you do to prepare yourself for the repertoire that, that you were going to play? I uh, just listened to recordings of it. I actually uh, had a few recordings. Brill and Phil was a goodie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, I already knew the piece pretty well, and it's a pretty, I mean, Schubert, great, and actually the Weber, Oberon Overture, pretty, not standard excerpts, but they're definitely excerpts you have to know for bass, so mm-hmm. it was cool to get a chance to actually play them, but I had, you know, I've worked on them in the past. What's your best method of preparation for learning? Having the part in front of you and listening to the recording, or, or even helps. do you even go yeah. so far as to having a, a full score? Uh, sometimes I, I have a full score, like if I'm looking at a Mahler symphony, or something like that. I have, you know, followed along with a score, mm-hmm. um, just to know what other instruments are playing the same line. Generally, the cellos. But uh, for something like the Weber, I, I would just look at my part. It's you know pretty standard, and there you can pretty much hear all the the different parts. So, Wani, as you as you have arrived at iOS, tell me about the instruction and coaching that you're getting outside of the orchestra rehearsals. Um, well, we've been getting lessons. From who, who have you been getting lessons from here? Uh, well, it's for the violins. It's between Elaine and Edvard. Edvard Skariats and Elaine Klamasko, yes. yeah, members, members of the orchestra. And what have they been able to tell you? In what way has the, the teaching that they've, that they've delivered to you been different from what you get from your regular excellent teacher at Indiana University? Um, well, it's actually been, it's more, been more focused on, you know, orchestra and, like, orchestral excerpts and you know, per- certain parts of the music or any questions that we might have. We, we um, talked a moment ago about the, the emphasis on solo repertoire as opposed to orchestral repertoire. In your studies at Indiana, do you take major orchestral excerpts into your lessons? Yeah. Um, well, Alex, my teacher, is he used to be the concertmaster of the Concertgebouw. Mm-hmm. So he's basically all orchestra. And, you know, ah. he's, he's breeding all his students to be orchestral musicians <laughs> as opposed to soloists. Excellent. He's slightly more realistic than some uh-huh. of the other teachers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he definitely encourages bringing um, orchestral rap. Okay, so I'm going to pose a, a musical question to you. Which do you think is more, more difficult, playing the Brahms Concerto or playing the opening to Magic Flute Overture? Having not done Brahms concerto, I would say the magic flute. I think it's I think it's 
a heck of a lot easier to play solo. I mean, everyone's following you than playing orchestra. Like, to play an orchestra well with that many other people and play it properly, I think that's harder. Than well, what does it take? Why is it more? Di- why is it more difficult? What's difficult about the Magic Flute Overture? I don't know. I oh. haven't actually. I haven't done Magic Flute. It was like. What's hard about that? Um, well, I mean, playing with having the exact same style and everything is hard to get, you know, with that many different personalities and players yeah. and stuff. Well, to start with, it's just a very difficult stroke, and there's a lot of that in the orchestral repertory, isn't yeah. there? Just, just being able to, to, to bounce and keep, to keep uh, the rhythms accurate. It's a biggie on orchestral auditions, which leads me, Nick, to talk about what you see as sort of the big obstacles between you and a nice job in a symphony orchestra. What do you see as the obstacles? Um. Hmm. <laughs> Apart from adequate practice, yeah. <laughs> good nutrition and a good night's sleep, what else? Uh, huh. Well, I'm waiting for lots of jobs to pop up. You know, there's only... There's actually a Violon de Roi audition happening in a month, mm-hmm. and then actually a month later is Principal Femeso, which mm-hmm. is pretty pretty biggie. But um, you know, all those jobs only pop up every so often, and there's X amount of people who are just waiting in the woodwork have for those ta- jobs. Have you taken a professional audition yet? I've taken one. I was actually in Thunder Bay for a year, mm-hmm. um, so I played with Thunder Bay Symphony for a year, um, and then after that, I went back to school. What do you so. remember about that first professional audition? It was nerve-wracking. Describe it to me. What did um, it look? What did it look like? It was a kind of not formal setting. There were sort of. It was actually in Ottawa the audition because the orchestra is in Thunder Bay, mm-hmm. and I don't know that they were getting people to come out that they wanted, so they had it here and invited a few people to come do the audition. Not standard way an audition works at all. Um, but I am, you know, also at Boston. We have mock auditions with the screens and getting prepped for all that and. Um, it's just a matter of time. Um, you know, I haven't done a professional audition except for that one, so I don't want to do it. There's kind of two schools, I think. There's the school of people who don't do the auditions until they feel that they're adequate and ready to do it. And then there's people who I know who are, you know, also in Boston right now who are doing every audition on the circuit, going to Seattle's got one, Buffalo's got one coming up, and they just do them all. Um, hoping to learn from the experience. Hoping to learn from the experience, um... And you know maybe landing a job as well. Well, he, where are you in that in that division? Are you going to wait until everything's just right, or are you going to start diving in and seeing what happens? Uh, I don't know. I'd like to finish my bachelor's first and yeah, see that, what happens. I suppose that's. What about you, Mary Catherine? Um, I started taking auditions this year. Okay. And um, yeah, it's pretty nerve wracking, but well, it, it was a good experience. You know, a lot of people listening to this show really have no idea what an orchestral audition consists of. So why don't you describe it to us? Well, um, I guess I did one last year, too, for a summer program um, in Chicago, the Grant Park Symphony. Um, but for, like, a, a full-time job, um, I auditioned for the Detroit Symphony in February or March this year. And, I mean, you go to the hall, and it was, it was a very well-run audition, actually. Like, it, it went very smoothly, and they made it easy on all of us, I thought. Um, you just go in and you check in, and they give you a number when you check in, and they took me to... Uh, what does that number represent? Um, it just represents um, what number I am, and so the jury knows me as that number, and they don't know... Does it also determine your time of performance? I th- 
Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. We were all put in one-hour groups, and so all the people in my group, whenever you checked in, that was your order in that hour. Okay, so then they take you to some place to warm up and yeah, be comfortable? I, yeah, I had my own warm-up room, which was really nice, and then someone came and got me, you know, five minutes before, and they just took me on stage. So far, it sounds a little bit like prep for surgery. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Okay, so it you, feels you, like that. <laughs> it does feel like that, doesn't it? You, know, yeah. you feel you're, you're about to undergo the knife, don't yeah, you? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, so you walk out on stage, and what did you see? Well, I um, they had us walking out on a carpet, so I guess they, you know, so you can't hear what kind of shoes you're wearing. Now, or, why, why would that be necessary? Um, so that they can disguise if you have high heels or, you know, so they can't tell if you're a man or a woman. So what basically. you're leaving out here for our NACOCAST listeners is the fact that they can't see you. Right. So I walked onto the stage and there was a big curtain at the end of the stage and the jury was actually sitting out in the hall. Beh- so well hidden. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't see anything. There were huge curtains up at the edge of the stage and I was set back, you know, 10 feet or something from them. Would you prefer to play for faces that you can see? Um not really. I mean, it's nice to play for an audience in a concert obviously, but in that kind of setting, I think it's nicer that they don't know who you are. It's more fair, for one, I think, and it doesn't really bother me, because it's one less thing to worry about looking at someone. You know, I can just go there and concentrate on playing and not have to worry about what they're thinking or if they're scratching their head or, you know, drinking their coffee <laughs> instead of listening. How long did you play? Um, I was on stage probably for 15 minutes or so. I played um, I played all of the excerpts that they had for the preliminary list, and then they asked me to stay and play a couple again. Uh-huh. Well, you so must have been doing very well for them to let you stay that long. Well, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <But> Nick, <laughs> Nick when, when you think about a professional audition for an orchestra, what do you think it is that you're trying to do? I mean, what's, what exactly is going on? What's uh, be, what's well, be, what I, is being evaluated? I think you have to be able to play you know, your solos for bass, your solo in North America is basically just, okay, he can play a piece, great, now let's get to the excerpts. I think that's a little different than in Europe, where if, I'm, if I were to do an audition in Europe, there would be no, or, no orchestral excerpts, it would be two concertos. Mm-hmm. It's pretty standard. But So they're looking for me just to play all the notes, obviously, but also in a way that's probably slightly interesting. You know, the, the, There's something different from me than the other people who are going to be there. Um, be it, you know, spot-on articulation or whatever it is. But I I think you have to have something because there's tons of people that can just go and play the notes, I think. I have sat many, many, many times on on the uh, curtain side of auditions yeah. and heard things, and I can tell you one of the challenges for a an audition committee uh, is, is, is essentially a psychological one because you often have to listen to an awful lot of people in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. It's not unusual to hear a candidate for two or three minutes only, yeah. which is a story in itself. But it ends up being that what you the, the process becomes somewhat um, a process of elimination that you look for reasons to excuse somebody. So what do you think the prior the primary reasons would be to an to excuse a candidate. This is not something that somebody who's going in to interview for a job in a bank tends to have an upfront holistic experience in a conversation where uh, where a lot of criteria are being evaluated. Right. But in an orchestral audition, it's something more clinical, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I guess for me, I think intonation and rhythm is 
those are at the top. And if you mess that up, then you can pretty much. <laughs> so it's almost as if you, if you can prove that you've got good time and can play in tune and you know the notes, then they'll start paying attention to what you're doing yeah, with the music. I would say mm-hmm. that first off, you have to have that. I mean, if you go in there and play really musically, but it's out of tune and out of rhythm, they're not going to want to listen to you for very long, even if it is beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I feel no, like no. strokes are also a pretty big deal for yeah. a string player that yeah. you have to have the the right stroke for the excerpt and if you don't if you're playing long you know really long strokes for Stravinsky it's not gonna yeah then they'll think work. you don't know how the piece goes yeah. so I guess it's a whole lot of things they need to know that you realize the context of the, the excerpt so like your style and like if you can be musical while you're playing the excerpt instead of just playing the notes like mm-hmm. Yeah, m- making a beautiful sound never hurts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it isn't everything. In the, and as you as you said er- earlier, being able to fit in is, is everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if your sound is going to blend or, you know, if you're going to stick out, but you can play the notes, like I don't think, you know, that's going to go too well for you. <laughs> okay, so um, you've all three of you have traveled from your birthplaces to where you're studying, have heard different orchestras. And Nick, you talked about, uh, bow, bow stroke. Of course, a lot of these things become subjective and stylistic according to where you are. Sure, so, yeah. Wani, what what do you think? What what characteristics of violin playing do you think are are being looked for here at the National Arts Center Orchestra that that perhaps might be different someplace else? Tough question. Yeah, um. that is tough. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it starts from the top down. You you think what what is the music director looking for that might be different f- from another conductor? Um, I think sound is a really big one. I've noticed that a lot. You know, I mean, in particular, like the ones you can hear, like the solos, for example, that come in, they have beautiful sounds, and you can hear it in the orchestra too. Like individually, the players all have, you know, amazing tones. And I mean, apart from the orchestral like playing abilities, that's one of the main things that you can hear. Mm-hmm. Mary Catherine, do you think uh, do you think there's issues uh, of of style that are being addressed here in a different way than in another orchestra? Um, well, I think you know having Pincus as the music director, I think he has a very you know clear idea of sound production and technique himself as a string player, mm-hmm. and I think that he communicates that to the string players in the NACO um, and. You know, I think that has really shaped the orchestra here from what I can see that, you know, his approach to articulation and sound is mm-hmm. very distinct. Sometimes it feels like you're in a big quartet. Yeah. He says that, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says quartet playing. Yeah, he said that yesterday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I feel that I'm a wind player, but I, I feel that, too, you know, at, at its best, which it often is, the, the orchestra here does have this ability to, uh, you know, to really play in, in, a, in a chamber music kind of paradigm. Yeah. And I, won- I wonder if that's because, I mean, years ago the orchestra was just chamber orchestra, right? I yeah, mean, the it's, size it's a has smaller orchestra. The size has expanded, but the s- but it's not only that, that there has been a significant change in, in approach to sound. You know, yeah. That certainly reflects uh, his attitude his attitude about sound. Mm-hmm. Now, sound, of course, is also highly dependent upon instruments. Now, the three of you are all facing challenges that wind players don't have to face, which is... Finding affordable, good instruments. So, Mary Catherine, what are you kind of a viola are you playing on? Is it something that you're happy with, or are you facing that uh, enormous obstacle of a huge investment at some point? Um, you know, I'm really happy with my viola, and my teacher just told me in my last lesson in Boston that she really likes my viola and thinks it's fine, you know, for good. me for the rest of my career if good. I want. 
And um, it's made by a local maker in Toronto. Mm -hmm. Well, he's from Flesherton, actually, David Prentice. And I think I got really lucky because my instrument, um, I think it's one of his, you know, really good ones. And it was just, I don't know, luck of the draw or all of his violas are really great. And um, it's, yeah. There's a there's a lot of a lot of great young makers. Yeah, uh, we're living in a bit of a renaissance time, aren't we? Yeah. So, Nick, what about wonderful. you? What kind of, what's your instrument? I just got a new one in September. It's made by Donnie Gorman, who was in Chelsea and now I'm not Merrickville or something. Oh, like it's that. a local maker, huh? Yeah, yeah. It's a full size bass. Yeah. Most people play a three quarter, so I have really? a full size bass. It's a huge one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huh. and I have an extension, which I got about four months ago, which means I can play four semitones lower, right? which is great. It's that <laughs> big stick over the scroll that it's lets you play stick. a little C. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, if you're tuned in fifths, then you can play it, but if you're in fourths, you need an We're going to come back to that, I promise. Okay. Ronnie, what about you, your violin? Um, I play a Chinese instrument. Mm-hmm. Um, my family actually just discovered, uh, I don't know, they, my sister bought one, and so I got one too. Okay. <laughs> um, it's a Actually, it was a. It, it was. They were brand new instruments when we bought them. Actually, so it, it was just a. I'm not actually sure what his name is. I can't okay. say it. <laughs> are, you, are you Are you happy with the instrument for now? Yeah, actually, um, I think it's. I think it's great. It's. It's really easy to play, and it's good for you know where I am now. Mm-hmm. And your your investment in your bows, all of you, is adequate at this point. Yeah. yeah, I got Good. I got my bow from my teacher when he died. So oh, that's I have nice. a hill. <laughs> so none of you are facing sort of enormous obstacles of having to no. you know, mortgage your your great aunt's uh, <laughs> car <laughs> or anything. Her no. base, I think I'm going to have to. I mean, mine is I think totally adequate, and I really like it. But I think if I actually got a job in a section, I might have to get a different instrument. It's great; it projects, but in a section, I maybe maybe it'll do, but. I think it doesn't blend maybe as well as like a great old Italian bass that would cost a fortune. Right. So. Like like Joel Corrington's Magini, huh? yeah. which is a lovely oh. instrument. Yeah. Now, speaking of Joel Corrington, I promise we get back to the subject of tuning bass and fifths. NACOcast listeners know about this because I did a long and very interesting interview with Joel back in October where he'd made his argument and certainly convinced a lot of people over the last 20 years of the advantages of tuning his bass sure. in fifths instead of fourths. Uh, here you are working with Joel just on a you know, brief mm-hmm. basis here, and I know you have, have had some exposure to him before as a teacher. Mm-hmm. What kind of pressures are you feeling from him about tuning, <laughs> tuning in fifths? Do you feel any, or is he leaving you alone? Uh, he leaves me alone. He knows I'm in fourths, and he brought it up when I first studied with him a couple of years ago. Um, but I was already, what, 21 or 22 Mm-hmm. And I had been playing in fourths for a while. So his younger students who he, uh, you know, have been studying with him since the beginning of a bachelor's or something like that have started in fifths and they like it. So that's great. So I imagine the only real substantive uh, change that that would make to your study with him would be certain decisions about about um, position placements and fingerings because there would be certain things that he would do differently. Yeah. Or, yeah. He used to be tuned in fourths. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we'd even discuss that at, it's not a problem whatsoever. Um, yeah, so it seems to be going fine. Um, yeah, we discuss more musical issues rather than fingering generally. And uh, Mary Catherine, your viola work here has been with um, Jethro Marks. Jethro, the associate principal of yeah. viola. Are you enjoying that time mm-hmm. with him? Yeah. Yes, he's been great. He's quite a virtuoso, isn't he? Yeah. What, what have you been working on mostly with him? Um, well, 
one of the la- last couple of times I've been playing orchestral excerpts for him mm-hmm. um, because I had those auditions coming up in the in the winter and um, I guess my last lesson actually we had him uh, come and coach us for our chamber music instead because we have a concert coming up so yeah so Wani talk a little bit about the chamber music component here at the iOS um, it's all of us the five of us okay. we're playing the Dvorak string quintet mm-hmm. bass um, and we just I don't know we, we rehearsed a couple times and uh, we're we just did a school concert this morning, and we played part of it. And then we're going to perform again on Sunday. Have you been comfortable with the schedule, working on the Dvorak as well as the orchestral material this week? It's a big week because we're doing Verdi Requiem. Yeah. It's been a pretty busy couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've, we've had a lot of organizing to do ourselves um, for the school presentation. And uh, so it's been kind of interesting. Getting the chamber music in as well. So by this time next week, all three of you will be back. Uh, well, no, you finished school for the for the mm-hmm. year, but you, mm-hmm. when you, what what are you going to miss when you when you've gone from here? What are you going to miss in terms of the orchestra in, environment, Nick? Well, I'm going to be pretty much not gone. I'm doing the young artist program, which okay. starts in a week. <laughs> You're so. staying. Okay. So actually, but but this show is going. We actually pre-taped this show, so oh. this is being broadcast in the middle of June. Uh-huh. So you are actually. We'll, we'll now make this in the present tense and say, so what, Nick, what are you working on right now at the Young Artists Program? Yeah, I, actually, the bassists are pretty separate from the rest of the group at the mm-hmm. Young Artists Program. Um, we do our own thing. We play a uh, bass quartet to keep us separate. <laughs> and keep you out of trouble. <laughs> keep us out of trouble. Yeah. 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 And, uh, keep, the, keep the liquor sales under control. That's true. <laughs> but, yeah, we're doing a lot of, uh, we do technique class for about three hours every morning. Um, just scales, arpeggios, that kind of stuff. And uh, a couple of us are doing the Villain de Droit audition, so we're going to be doing a heavy emphasis on the excerpts and the solos for that. Great. Yeah. And Mary Catherine, what are you taking with you from this iOS experience? Um, I'll be sad to leave for sure. It's been really fun. Um, but I guess I just I don't know when I'm going to play in an orchestra like this again, so mm-hmm. it's a little bit unknown. So I wish I, I, wish I knew when the next time was, <laughs> but... You know, and this summer I'm just going to be in Boston um, on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and Wani Lee, you growing up here in Ottawa, so you've, yeah. the National Ar- Center Orchestra must almost seem like home to you. Do, yes. do you hope that it'll be a musical home to you someday? Yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think I'd really like to work here. It's really fun. I mean, I studied with Elaine for five years mm-hmm. um, before this, so, you know, she always had her students coming down and watch you know, the rehearsals, concerts and stuff, so I've been here for a long time. <laughs> well, I hope that works out for you, and I wish all three of you great success in your careers. It's been really terrific having you around the orchestra this season. It's, you know, it's marvelous having the energy of, of young players, so I, I hope it's been... <laughs> as much fun for you as it has for us. So thank you all for coming in. We've thank been talking you. to N- Nikolai Bobas, Mary Catherine Stevens, and Wani Lee from the Institute of Orchestral Studies here at the National Arts Centre Orchestra. That was a conversation I had last month with several participants in the NAC Institute of Orchestral Studies. In our next edition of the NACOcast, I'll be speaking to another group of young musicians, this time from the National Orchestral Institute at the University of Maryland. And that's all for this edition of the NACOcast. 
Send us your comments and questions. You can reach us by sending an email to nacocast at gmail.com. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this and other NAC podcasts by visiting nacocast.ca. That's N-A-C-O-C-A-S-T dot C-A. There you'll find our past episodes, subscription links, and instructions on how to subscribe. And you can also easily find us as a free subscription in the podcast section of the iTunes Music Store. Just search on NACOcast. So until next time, this is Christopher Millard saying goodbye from Canada's National Arts Centre. Thank you.